This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. Nothing is as exciting as a great book, especially a mystery or a thriller. The unreal and the all-too-real combine to give a good scare, unbearable tension, and often something to say about the world as well. I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're recommending some great mysteries and thrillers on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, a people's history tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Joining me today is Leah Danella. She's the supervising editor at NPR's Code Switch. Hey, Leah, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Books We Love, as many of our listeners hopefully know, is NPR's sortable list of book recommendations from real people inside and outside NPR, like Leah Danella. Today, we are talking about mysteries and thrillers. So, Leah, what are we starting with? Okay, the first book is called The Hacienda, and it's by Isabel Cañas. And I am a total sucker for gothic novels. Mm-hmm. I especially love ones recently that take place somewhere unexpected. So, you know, not Europe. <laughs> yeah. And this one, this one takes place in kind of a remote town in Mexico in the 1820s. And it follows our heroine, Beatriz, who moves from Mexico City to her husband's estate. It's kind of in the middle of the desert. And realizes very quickly that her husband is not the person that she thought he was, this kind of wealthy, handsome stranger who she thought was so charming. He has some other dimensions. And the estate that they move on to is just very obviously and terrifyingly haunted. So Haunted house. Yes. Haunted house. <laughs> and she has to kind of figure out how to survive and who is even real and not real in this house and uh, who's on her side and who's trying to kill her. Wow. I love a spooky story. This sounds like a spooky story. Oh, it is very, very chilling. I would recommend reading with like hot chocolate or something that will keep you from being too scared. 
Uh-huh. Hot chocolate and maybe just like a big dog or something like that. Yes. Can <laughs> help protect you from anything scary. All right. So that is The Hacienda. It's by Isabel Cañas. All right. Let's go to your second pick. Okay. The second pick is called House of Hunger. It's also kind of a gothic novel, but I would say it's less scary and more disturbing. It's about a young woman who is living in some pretty deep poverty in a city where most people are living in in really difficult poverty. And she kind of gets to her wits end. She doesn't know what she's going to do when a couple of things go wrong in her life. And so she decides that she's going to accept a job as something called a blood maid. And blood maids are basically young women who live in very fancy estates and they have to actually physically donate vials of their own blood to their employers. And that's basically the job. Other than that, they get to eat lots of fancy cakes and food and go to parties and kind of have a raucous good time. But all the while, they are literally giving up their blood for Mm -hmm. this job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think the story is a lot about kind of, you know, how this works, how this system works, but also just it stays pretty mysterious. You're, you you never really understand why this is happening. And I think it's asking readers to kind of question for themselves, like, why am I doing my job? Who is it benefiting? And what am I willing to give up for these things that I think of as, as benefits? So, Yeah, I was going to say, like, work is actually a vampire. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the kind of premise that I like in a, a dystopian or horror or near future or, you know, that entire category of sort of how did we get here type of books. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting about it, too, is that even though the premise is so kind of like hit you over the head with unsubtle, right, sure. you kind of still don't know what you would do in this person's situation. Right. Well, that's always the trick, right? Because in real life, it's a difficult question. What would you give up for your work? And what would you give up for your survival and things like that? And it's an interesting question in real life. So it's an interesting question for a book as well, even if you know from the beginning like what you're being asked to think about. Mm-hmm. All right. What is your third pick? The third pick is called The Daughter of Dr. Moreau. It's by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Um, And it's kind of a sci-fi horror mix. It's obviously riffing on the sci-fi classic The Island of Dr. Moreau. And this book, The Daughter of Dr. Moreau, is following that doctor's daughter. She works in her father's lab, kind of helping him with these experiments. And there's a whole cast of characters on this island. But throughout the book, we kind of learn with the daughter that these experiments that her father is telling her about and the things that he's working on are actually much weirder and more upsetting than she believes them to be. Even what she knows is kind of characterized by her growing up in isolation without getting to talk to other people from other towns. So the things that she knows that she's comfortable with to an outsider would also be very disturbing and very weird. Right. So throughout the book, you're kind of slowly learning more about what this research is that Dr. Moreau is doing, how it affects his daughter and the other people that that she's surrounded by, and how okay you should be. <laughs> you're, you're kind of figuring out how okay you are or should be with what's going on. Right. Well, you mentioned in your – when you wrote about this book in Books We Love, you mentioned social critique – What sort of social critique should people expect from this book? I think 
one of the big things is that there's this idea of kind of the purity of science, right? That anything that happens in a a lab that is for the kind of good of humanity or like furthering human knowledge and development has a type of purity or is good. And this book is really pushing back against that, I think, and asking people to think about how science has been used to further racism, to further class disparities, um, to make certain people wealthy while other people will never have access to certain things. I think the doctor in the book um, has the idea that knowing how to do things and knowing more and having more resources is always better. And the people he's working with make it very clear that those advances are actually really not going to be helping 95% of the people in the world. Right. They're often at someone's expense. Exactly. All right. So that is The Daughter of Dr. Moreau by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. If you want to discover even more books that NPR loves, visit npr.org slash bestbooks. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for being here, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Ramel Wood and Mike Katzeff and edited by Jessica Reedy. The Books We Love team is Beth Novi, Natalie Escobar, Maureen Powell, and Megan Collins-Sullivan. Hello Come In provides our theme music. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.